Good evening and welcome to our Bible study and uh, we're going to read from the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 8. We're just going to read one verse of that chapter and it's verse 13, verse 13 of Revelation 8. As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair call out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you and ask you to guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit through these verses, through these words that we read together from your book. And we ask your blessing upon us as we do it, as we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Well, just a quick recap. Last week, we looked at the first four trumpet blasts that herald the arrival of God's judgment on the earth, bringing with them, first of all, from the first angel, we read hail and fire mixed with blood and it was hailed down on the earth. And we could see that this is aimed at the destruction of trees and vegetation. And then the second angel, we read something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea, a third of the sea turned to blood. And if we read on, we see that this is aimed at the destruction of life both on the sea and in the sea. And the third angel, a great star blazing like a torch, fell from the sky. And this was aimed at, the po at poisoning the rivers. And then the fourth angel, a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon and a third of the stars, so that a third of them turned dark. A third of the day was without light, and also a third of the night. And we can see that this is here aimed at removing the light. Now, each of these things would obviously cause great disruption on the daily lives of many people. What these angels were doing, they were removing the things that we put our trust in. And disasters were coming. Many would bring famine. Famine that removes the availability of the food that we depend on. The result can be no food. It means death and disease. And for some, the empty supermarket shelves, depending on where you live. And storms that make the sea our enemy when it becomes something that we can no longer trust. And then the contamination of what should be safe drinking water. And darkness, darkness be it physical or spiritual darkness. You see, all these things have physical, mental, emotional, financial and spiritual implications and they affect us by removing the trust that we have in transient things. So here's a question for us this evening to consider. Are these four things meant to be happening together at the same time or as part of God's judgment on the nations? Now, what we know about them is that they are limited in the amount of destruction that they were allowed to cause. So let's just go to the verse that we read together, Revelation 8.13, and we have here what it is a division between the seven trumpets. And this appears to be a new part of the vision when three woes are brought upon the ungodly, bringing what we might call a harsher aspect to God's judgment. They're deeper in spiritual nature, but, you know, we can still see how they allude to the plagues of Exodus 
and to the words of the prophets of old. First of all, the plagues of Exodus. Well, they were brought so that Pharaoh and the Egyptians might know who God is. We know that because Exodus 14 verse 18 tells us the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. You see, they saw the glory and the majesty of God as he saved his people and punished his enemy. And they had an opportunity to obey God's will, but they refused and they paid the price for it. In this, the days that we live in, God's day of grace, God is still telling the world who he is. His will is that none should perish. Salvation is offered. The good news is here. And the final judgment will come. We and the nations of the world, just like Pharaoh and the nation of Egypt, are being shown the warning signs. Why? So that we might know who God is. And as we follow the history of God's chosen people through the Old Testament, we can see the pattern that repeats, the pattern of repentance and judgment, so that his people who have been set free from the bondage of Pharaoh's slavery would know, know what? Know who God is. And that through them, the rest of the world would know who God is. This is what God said to his people. This is after they'd been set free from the bondage in Egypt and he was preparing them for the promised land. In Exodus 29, verse 46, he said, and this is about his people, they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. You see, they needed to know who God is. And the gospel came to us by way of God's chosen people. Now, we are part of the church of the New Testament. And things are as they are in our days, so that we and the rest of the world would know who God is. This is why John, John the writer to the book of Revelation, when he wrote his gospel, he said this in John 20, verse 30 through to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And, and it's the same reason why John is writing this book of Revelation. He's writing it to tell us that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. He is also emphasizing the fact that he is the Lamb of God. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And he is the one who can save us. And he is the one who will lead us into what is the true promised land as he prepares his people, his church. So as we come to verse 13 of Revelation 8, I want us to consider some things before we move into chapter 9. And I hope that we can already see that Revelation is a slice of the same cake that is made up of all 66 books of the Bible. 
Every piece is a part of God's complete plan. God spoke to his people through the mouths of the prophets. John the Baptist came in the style and in the power of the Old Testament prophets, and Jesus in his public ministry encouraged the people and his disciples to know him by listening to what those Old Testament prophets had said. And John, in his vision on Patmos, was being guided by God, guided back to the words of those Old Testament prophets. Why? To help him to understand what was being said to him and to show him that what was being said was all part of the same plan, the plan that involved Moses and the prophets. And this is what we must realise in order for us to understand the symbolism that is being used in the book of Revelation. So this evening, Revelation 8 verse 13, just listen to this verse again. Think about it and think about what's being said. John said, As I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair out in a cry out in a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet's blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. Here we have the mention of an eagle, an eagle, a powerful bird of prey who will use its power to feed and protect its own. A bird who is feared by others because of the power it has that can be used against them. And the eagle here is a symbol of one of the attributes of who God is. Well, remember earlier, Revelation chapter 4, we read in verse 7, the first living creature was like, now remember that phrase because it's important as we go through Revelation. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third was a face like a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. You see, these creatures are to symbolize God's omnipotence, his wisdom, his swiftness, and his life-giving nature. So what does the image of an eagle represent in other parts of Scripture? How did God speak to his people? Well, we're going to go back to Exodus and we're going to chapter 19, verse 4 to 6. And God said, You yourselves have seen that what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So this is God. God the protector and the provider for his people. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28 verse 49. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away from the ends of the earth like an eagle swooping down. 
a nation whose language you will not understand. So in these words in Deuteronomy, God is speaking to his people. He's speaking about the penalty of disobedience. He's doing this while he's telling them the benefits of being obedient. Well, here's the penalty of disobedience, and it comes with a warning, a warning of destruction. Let's go to the words of the prophets. Let's go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 4, a couple of verses, 13 and 14. Look, he advances like the clouds, his chariots come like a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe to us. We are ruined. Jerusalem, wash the evil from your heart and be saved. How long will you harbour wicked thoughts? Not just the language here. This is swifter than the eagle. Then we have this woe, woe to us, which we've just read in Revelation. And we have this figurative language. And in it is another warning to God's people. Let's go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 48, verse 40 and 41. This is what the Lord says. Look, an eagle is swooping down, spreading its wings over Moab. Kerioth will be captured and the strongholds taken. In that day, the hearts of Moab's warriors will be like the heart of a woman in labor. This is God protecting his people, protecting his people from the enemy. How about Lamentations? Lamentations Lamentations 4 verse 19. Our pursuers were swifter than eagles in the sky. They chased us over the mountains and lay in wait for us in the desert. Again, this is a warning about the strength of the enemy. We have this in Revelation as well. Warnings about the strength of the enemy. But his strength is limited. We see that too. Ezekiel 17 verse 1 to 4. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, set forth an allegory and tell it to the Israelites as a parable. Get the language here, like in Revelation. Say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. A great eagle with powerful wings, long feathers and full plumage of varied colours came to Lebanon. Taking hold of the top of a cedar, he broke off its topmost shoot and carried it away to the land of merchants where he planted it in a city of traders. If we look at this in context, this is about God being on the move. Let's go to Hosea. Hosea 8 verse 1. We have trumpets here as well. Put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord, because the people have broken my covenant and rebel against my law. So here we have it. The image of the trumpet, the, 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 the eagle. And what is it? It's, it's an announcement. It's an announcement of God's judgment. Let's go for another one with a slightly different slight on it. This is one of the Psalms, Psalm 103, verse 5. It says this, as it speaks about God, who satisfies the desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Okay, here we have the God who is the giver of new life. So I think you see by now uh, the figurative language that we've been looking at as we've looked at these passages. These are not literal eagles. 
but they are representing part of the character of God. They are part of who God is. Now, as we go through our study in Revelation, time doesn't allow us to refer to all the Old Testament prophecies that are relevant to this book. We have looked at some of them this evening, and we will continue to mention some of them. And what I hope is that this evening will have been a help for us to see that these prophecies are all part of the canon of Scripture. This is very important for us to remember. Remember that the Lord used the words of the prophets to help the world understand and to be prepared for the first advent of Jesus. It's all there for us. We read them at Christmas time. But they in the Old Testament had them before that first Christmas so that they would be ready and so that they would understand. And very often they didn't understand them. Most of them weren't ready. And then Jesus, during his public ministry, used the words to help his disciples understand and prepare for his second coming. The words that John is using here in Revelation are to help us as his disciples to understand and prepare for his second coming. Just to go back to our verse, verse 18, verse 13, you might be asking the question, well, why does God speak like this? Why didn't God just say, I'll pass judgments on the earth and things are about to get worse? Why didn't he just say that? Why did he have to say, as I watched, I heard an eagle that was flying in midair cry out in a loud voice, woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth because of the trumpet's blasts about to be sounded by the other three angels. Well, he said it that way because he wants us to know that what he's saying is linked and locked into the rest of what God has said and has been saying since he spoke to Adam in the book of Genesis. And then when we come to Revelation, we have this advice, take nothing away from it or add nothing to it. That means take nothing away or add anything to it that will change the meaning of who God is. So I want us, in the light of what we have been saying this evening, uh, to look at and consider the fifth trumpet in preparation for when we look at it in our next session. So what I'm going to do as I close for this evening, I'm just going to read these words to you. And this is um, Revelation chapter 9. And I'm going to read from verse 1 down to 12. Just think about these things and consider them before we look at them next time. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came to the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass or the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not allowed to kill them, 
but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes. During those days, people will seek death, but they will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails with stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They had as king over them, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon, that is, destroyer. The first woe is past. Two other woes are yet to come. Okay, consider those words, read through them, read through the whole book of Revelation. While you do that, particularly these first 12 verses of chapter 9, look out for the differences between the first four and the last three trumpets. Notice the reaction from the people to these final trumpets. And what do you think about the symbolism being expressed in these verses? Well, a few things for us to think about until next time. Let's just pray together. Father, again, we thank you that we have this book to look at and we do confess before you we don't understand it all and we will never understand it all until we're with you in glory and maybe even then we won't fully understand it. But our Father, we just pray that we will take from it that which you would have us take from it, that might encourage us, that might strengthen us and that might quicken us in our service to you. And we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.